You're listening to the Constructive Change Podcast by Omega Graduate School, where we talk with leaders, faculty members, alumni, and friends about how scholar practitioners are changing the world through social research. I'm Dr. Joshua Reichert, President and CEO of Omega Graduate School, and I have with me as a guest today, Dr. Rebecca Tucker, former president, second president of OGS. Becky, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be with you today. Appreciate you giving us some of your time. I wanted to ask a few questions about your time and your contributions and your experience at OGS for the benefit of our current students, faculty, and alumni. So let me start with a simple question. Who or what brought you to OGS? So I began to think about my answer, it would start like this. In the 1990s, I became a non-alumni member of the Society of Scholars. I met Dr. Hollis Green, the current president at the time, who said to me, would I be willing to teach a class at OGS? And I said, no, that um, I was already uh, teaching in public schools, had a full schedule, and the distance from my house to the campus was over an hour in driving time, and it's just not anything I could do at the time. So it was in the year of 2004, Dr. Helen Morgan, who was volunteering at the school as a member of the research faculty, gave me a call and said, Dr. Green would like to talk to me. Well, Dr. Morgan is also my cousin. So I said to her, Helen, I don't have time to teach a class. And she responded, well, I'm not sure that that's what he wants to talk to you about. I really don't know. So I agreed to the meeting. I went and he was not wanting to discuss teaching a class. He was wanting to discuss my coming to OGS on a full-time basis as the second president and CEO of the school which would allow him to transition into the role of chancellor. Well, I wasn't really interested at all. And I went home, told my husband what it was Dr. Green wanted. And he responded, I think that's a good idea. And we began to talk and talk and talk about the possibility of going to Dayton. I was getting ready to retire from public school teaching and administration. We were both at the point we needed to sell the farm where we were, and it was not a family farm, so it wasn't something that needed to stay with the next generation. And to go to OGS would mean move to Dayton, which was my hometown, and that's where my family was. And so I thought that was attractive. What we didn't know at the time, so it wasn't in our conversation at all, was the magnitude of work that was going to be required the next few years in order for OGS to reach the standards required for the school to receive institutional accreditation. So with my husband's encouragement, I began to entertain the idea of going to OGS. For the next few months, I would tell you, I did a lot of praying about whether or not I wanted to do that and whether or not it was God's direction for me to go to OGS. 
And again, it was Dr. Morgan who called me to say that the board had voted to offer the uh, position of president CEO to me. And as her words came through the phone, I had an experience like I've never had at any other time. It was as if there was another entity voice coming through my other ear saying, for I know of the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And you probably know those words too. It's being Jeremiah 29, 11. Well, for the next few weeks, it seemed that I saw them everywhere on plaques, on t-shirts, on uh, mugs. And I felt it was somewhat a confirmation about going to OGS. And through those months of prayer, I did begin to have peace about um, the possibility of going to OGS. And that's really what brought about my decision. The mission of Omega Graduate School is to equip scholar practitioners from a Christian perspective with research skills to integrate religion and society for constructive social change. That's a great story. Thank you, Dr. Tucker. So it actually brings me to my second question. Uh, and having served in the role of president as well, I, I know how much of a challenge it can be and how much of a, at times, a, a heavy burden it is to bear. And I know, of course, you served in that role as the second president, uh, but you've also taught classes and chaired dissertations and uh, served alongside of students. So I, I want to ask you sincerely, what has been your favorite role in terms of all the different hats that you've worn at OGS over the years? Well, I did read your word favorite, and I, I want to first talk about what I consider to be the most significant. And it wasn't necessarily my favorite one at all, because in that role of leadership as the president and CEO, there is at sometimes opposition. But I did enjoy the role of leader in this respect, that there was a hardworking, very productive team that I was working with. It was a crucial time for the school because uh, institutional accreditation was critical to the continued existence of the institution. And so um, it was important to see the big picture and work accordingly. I remember those first few years being asked about Society of Scholars activities. And my response was, does that have anything to do with gaining accreditation? And when the answer was no, then I said, we won't be doing it right now. It's imperative that we stay focused on our goal. So while I think that was the most significant part of providing leadership, the most favorite part was working with the people whether it was the faculty or the students, it was the interaction that I would tell you was the most favorite part. At the time I was the president, we had a building called the Gathering Place where we always met for meals and other times of visiting with uh, one another. And there have just 
all kinds of experiences there to bring laughter, to bring just pleasant conversation. Um, one of the ones I can remember so well was when Ken Rutgers, who was a retired tackle for the Green Bay Packers and a graduate of OGS, when he wore his Super Bowl ring to um, to class one time, and we all enjoyed uh, the diamonds and whatever other stones were there, but he was just such a um, friendly, uh, relatable person, but yet we enjoyed the things, learning the things of his life. There was also a man named Ethelbert Charles who came from Trinidad, and um, one of the times when he was on the campus was for his graduation. And during that time, there were some new students on the campus. I remember one of the women who was there being amazed that Dr. Charles was one of the graduates. Dr. Charles was to Trinidad what Billy Graham is to America. He was just an outstanding evangelist preacher and yet he was certainly a relatable person that you enjoyed having a meal and conversation with. Another person was Tracy Lawrence. That was in my early days at OGS. She's an author from Denver, Colorado. And her dissertation had related to research uh, about the genocide in Rwanda. She wrote a book related to the incidents of a particular person with those years in Rwanda. OGS, I think, has been appropriately called the crossroads of the world. And it was the people at my work at Oxford that I felt was the most favorite special part for me. Thanks, Dr. Tucker. I think we can all agree with that. Um, it's amazing how that little town in that in uh, the foothills of <laughs> Tennessee uh, has become the crossroads of the world. And so many different people from different uh, backgrounds and experiences and nationalities converge there. And the relationships that we form at OGS uh, are eternal in nature and certainly life-changing so oh, you could i add one more um and i truly do not remember the person's name he was not a student during the years that i was there however he was on the campus at one time and one of our students from chattanooga which is about 30 miles south of ogs campus was in israel and had been going to um, a Bible study that the student was conducting. And so Dr. Sharp, the person from Chattanooga said to him, when you're ever in the States again, I'd like for you to come to my church. And he said, well, actually I'll be in the States next month. And he said, I'll be in a small town in Tennessee called Dayton. And it was just amazing that the man from Chattanooga had never heard of Oxford Graduate School at the time, and yet he was going to be meeting his friend, and he did. It is the crossroads. It was 
it is the crossroads of the world. I certainly agree. So you've mentioned several alumni and uh, students that you had the privilege of working with during your tenure. Can you give us uh, one student, one alum alumnus, who you feel uh, best exhibits our world changer profile? And, and I know we use that term world changer rather audaciously, but our alumni uh, very much are changing the world within their reach, within their sphere of influence. So who's one student that you personally got to serve or was there during your tenure that you believe best fits or best exemplifies the OGS profile of a world changer? Knowing that you were going to ask me that question, I began to think, who would I choose? And there were many who came to my net came to my mind, but the one I chose was a woman from Trinidad and Tobago named Annette James. Her motivation for wanting additional education was related to her involvement in her church. She belongs to the Church of God in Christ Pentecostal headquartered Pentecostal Church, which is headquartered in Memphis, Tennessee. Well, according to their website, uh, which I literally checked today, this international denomination has 6.5 million adherents in 12,000 congregations in 63 counties, not counties, but countries. Annette had been involved for a number of years in the church, and she was appointed as the jurisdictional supervisor of women. And according to her, she was the first woman outside of the United States to be given this appointment. Well, she told me that with that, she knew, I need more education. I need better leadership skills. I need to understand more about women's ministries and organizational skills for doing the kinds of things that are going to relate to people literally around the world. She had heard of um, Oasis Graduate School in uh, Trinidad and had gone there for help in beginning to start a program in leadership um, development. And it was through Oasis that she became acquainted with the program in Dayton, Tennessee, at the time Oxford Graduate School. She, came, she was one of the first students that I met. She came, um, I better take that back. She would not have been one of the first students I met. She came in 2009 for her first time to Tennessee and went on to Oxford, England in 2009. I remember her well. I remember the day we sat and had fish and chips together at one of the quaint little pubs in Oxford. And um, then I didn't see her for years. And, and now I know exactly why I didn't see her for several years, because she is one of those people who is so um, indicative of uh, adult learners. 
She had a demanding executive position uh, with the government of Trinidad Tobago. She was the corporate communications coordinator for the um, Governmental Electricity Commission. So she just flat didn't have the time to get back to the classroom. But as soon as she retired, she told me that that was one of the first thoughts on her mind. She wanted to get back in school. So she came back to OGS in 2014. She is one of those people who perfectly fits the OGS mantra of we're not looking for people who want to get a degree. We're looking for people who want to change the world. Well, remember, she's already retired, so she's not getting a degree to get up the ladder in her corporate work. She was getting a degree because she saw the need for the education for the things that it would give her an opportunity to do to make literally life-changing um, opportunities for herself and for other individuals. Annette and I reconnected in 2019. So that's 10 years after I first met her. And we reconnected in the fall when you, Dr. Reichert, had asked me to meet with some students who were nearing the research aspect of their academic program. Annette was there. And she was in an unusual position in that she had obtained a massive amount of data recently collected by the international, not international, excuse me, Inter-American Development Bank. It was, in, it was um, data related to intimate partner violence, a prominent problem in the Caribbean. And it was also one of Annette's passions. Remember Annette, the Minister for Women internationally to a congregates of in number of 6.5 million people. And it was certainly a topic that related to too many people that she personally even knew. Well, the data she got came from the local government agency that had worked with the um, bank in getting the information collected, although it was not that agency who collected the information. They had trained professional people to come into the country, actually to several of the countries in the Caribbean and collect people collect information from individual people. But the real benefit for Annette James was this, that the bank that had funded this research had one stipulation, and it was this, that once the research was done, the summary was written for what was the findings, if there were any other serious researchers who came looking for the raw data for that information, that they would share it with them. Annette was the first person who had gone to the government agency to ask for it. And she was literally dumbfounded when they gave it to her. She said that was truly an act of God 
that those kinds of things just didn't happen in Trinidad at the time. So she got a thumb drive of data for a peer-reviewed research project. And the peer review was by one of the UN agencies. So, you know, it was a valid research project. It was a valid report that they were getting. But what Annette was hoping to do was to delve even deeper in analyzing the data that had just been handed to her on a thumb drive. That's where my involvement began. And she showed me on her computer all these page after page after page of data. But she wasn't sure what to do with it or how to design a study that could use it. But she knew it was her interest, intimate partner violence. And she knew the raw data was valid data. And I liked her. We related well. And I said to her, yeah, you've got some good stuff here. I'm not sure how to design the study myself, but I do know uh, how to find a resource for you. And I told her about Dr. Larry Standridge, who had worked as the chair of the Graduate Research Council during many of my years at OGS. He had uh, a research degree actually from Ohio State. He knew and understood the research project process and how to design a good study. And I felt he could be of much help. I called him. The three of us got together on the phone numerous times working on um, what it was that Annette wanted and how we might help her for her to be able to use that data to answer the kinds of questions that she wanted to with her research. So we gave her the guidance. She went to work on putting together her pre-proposal for what were the questions she wanted to answer and how would she use that data to answer those questions. On one of our phone conversations between Dr. Standridge and myself, he said to me, I really wish the three of us could just sit down in a room together and discuss what these findings mean. And my response was, Dr. Standridge, when are you available to go to Trinidad? Or uh, actually the question was, when can you go to Tobago? Because by that time, after Annette retired, she had moved to the other island in the to Trinidad and Tobago country, and she was living there. We did go there. She did write the what she had the proposal written. We went there for her defense. And then after that, we spent a couple of days in the public library there working in analyzing what information she had found. She graduated. Actually, the validation for her graduation was in 2020 when nobody was getting together. But in 2022, uh, she did go through the graduation ceremony in Dayton, Tennessee. 
I talked to her on the phone this week. She also gave me a list of things on email of how that degree had influenced her life and what she had done as a result of it. And her very first thing on her list and the very first thing we talked about was how she had used her skills in research and graduate work to help three other specific people that had gotten degrees since 2020. When she had gotten her degree, she had supervised their dissertation process from the friend relationship. Not that she worked with any of these institutions, but one was an MBA from the University of Belfordshire in the UK. Another was a doctor of ministry from New Brunswick Theological College in New Jersey. A third from um, in biblical counseling from the Caribbean College of the Bible International. So she immediately took what she understood about research and the dissertation process and used it to help three other people. She's also taught at um, Oasis Institute of Higher Learning there in Trinidad. She's taught advanced communication, human development, adulthood and aging, and sociology of the family. Then, oh, the list goes on and on. Um, she's developed and provided leadership for the Church of God in Christ Women's Ministries in Tobago and Trinidad with what? Four specific programs, one called Season Saints for those 65 and over, Christian World Changers for 30 to 65-year-olds, Emerging Leaders, 18 to 30-year-olds, and Purity Class for Ministry to Teenagers, 13 to 18 years old. She started something else that she talked to me about on the phone called the Yale Initiative, Y-A-L-E, Young Adult Leadership Empowerment, a mentorship program for teenagers in Tobago, a mentoring program for single mothers in Tobago. And she personally has conducted workshops or delivered keynote addresses at the um, Church of God in Christ annual women's conference at women's healing and impairment seminars and at their let's get real seminar. Um, and when we talked on the phone, she even talked of others, particularly Bible studies that she had developed and had done in her church there. So world changer, Annette James, that would be the person I thought of immediately that I knew had made a difference in lots of people's lives. Thanks, Becky. And I certainly agree with you. And it's amazing how you have kept in touch with Annette, not only through the, should I say Dr. James, uh, through the course of her studies at OGS, but even uh, after that and the work that Dr. James is doing uh, to continue to change the world, uh, you're absolutely right. What a, what a magnificent profile 
of the kinds of people that OGS hopes to um, facilitate uh, through a doctoral program uh, who will then use that education uh, to change the world. Thank you. So my last question um, has to do with the foundations of OGS and our mission. Through your experience with OGS, leading it as president, but also uh, mentoring me as a president and uh, continuing to serve where you can and when you can, what is one thing that you believe that I, as the current president, the current board, chancellor, and future generations need to preserve to ensure that the unique mission and values of OGS, and the very things that make us special in American higher education, what's that one thing that you believe needs to be preserved to keep the integrity of who we are intact? Okay, you just asked me for one thing. So I'll just narrow down my list from three to one. And that one thing I would say would have to do with my understanding of the naming of Oxford Graduate School. When I first went there, I did consider that an unusual name for that particular institution. I was told that the reason for naming it Oxford Graduate School was that the school would use the Oxford method of study. And that's how it all came about. The Oxford method of study of student and mentor. And what I think is really important to preserve is providing adequate number and quality of mentors. And by quality, one of the qualities I would always want to see is somebody who would get back with the students, who would interact, engage with them uh, on a regular basis. The school has lots of good possibilities as an outstanding institution. And I think that quality is very important of having an adequate number of faculty in the classroom and then engaging faculty who will interact with the students when they submit their work and also having an adequate number and quality of research faculty who are there to help the students as they go through the um, uh, dissertation process. Because I could put into oh, that number one reason, let me give you my second part, but I would tell you that um, I think in the Oxford method of, of delivery of information by student mentor, one of the concepts that we're really modeling is lifelong learning. And I think that has to be an important part of the school's foundation that uh, we don't teach facts, uh, we teach a process for learning. Facts, not truth, but facts change, but uh, learning how to interpret 
written information is an important skill for adult learners. Thank you. I, I certainly couldn't agree more. So for posterity's sake, tell us, tell us your other two things that you believe. Oh, okay. Well, really, I wrapped one of them in by saying lifelong learning. Yes, because did. I think that is really important. And the other was uh, recruit students who have a vision for changing the world because um, I think it's important that when students go through the process that they do in understanding who they are as individuals in those early classes in self-concept and understanding adult education and where they are in their lives, and then studies in uh, research and how to interpret um, information that is presented in factual form and then do their own uh, original research, then I think they have to be encouraged all along the way that you're going to use this. You're not just going to put some letters after your name, but you are going to make a difference with the information that you are obtaining. So recruiting students who have a vision to change the world. Yes, absolutely. Thank you very much, Dr. Tucker. And thank you for joining us and sharing your experiences and your wisdom. Dr. Rebecca Tucker was the second president of OGS and was instrumental in leading the school to full accreditation by a U.S. Department of Education and Council for Higher Education Accreditation recognized agency, and also for facilitating the school's authorization to participate in Title IV funding and federal student loans. Dr. Tucker, thank you once again for all you've done for OGS and contributing to a foundation that will secure it into its future. I enjoyed being with you today. Omega Graduate School, the American Center for Religion and Society Studies, is an independent, freestanding, nonprofit, fully accredited, faith based graduate school of social research offering master's and doctoral degree programs. Find out more at ogs.edu.